Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. States like these and their terrorist allies constitute an axis of evil. Not merely peace in our time, but peace in all time. Continued cooperation for world peace. All those who have fought against oppression. This country deserves a break from politics and a permanent break. Talking about Brexit. No, Imans. Welcome, uh, and I'm so glad that you could join us uh, for this short conversation today on the podcast. I am very excited to hear your thoughts on the evolving situation in Ukraine, but also on the broader uh, implications for for European and Euro Atlantic security. Right. Um, before we get into the uh, the the more specific uh, conversation, I was just hoping that you could introduce yourself and let our listeners know who you are and and, and tell us something about your background. Okay, right. Well, thanks very much for uh, uh, engaging me on this. Uh, very pleased to participate. And uh, so, yeah, I'm uh, a former Latvian uh, uh, diplomat, former Minister of Defence for a short while of Latvia, former member of parliament for a short while, uh, a Latvian from the United Kingdom originally, born over there, parents were refugees. I moved over with my family in 1992, just so just 30 years ago, to start working for the foreign ministry. I had the privilege of being uh, NATO's ambassador to, uh, sorry, Latvia's ambassador to NATO uh, uh, in 2004 and the run-up to 2004 when we joined the alliance so uh, and i'm now currently a senior research fellow with the latvian institute of international affairs uh, since my uh, retirement from the foreign uh, service uh, in 2020 july where i was uh, i finished off my diplomatic career as uh, latvia's ambassador in france and France is one of the many places where you and I have met. I think the first time was in London, and then we've met numerous times in, in Riga, uh, including at the, the Institute of Foreign Affairs, uh, and also in Paris, which wasn't that long ago, but there's been a pandemic and a war in between, so exactly. it's like a longer time. But look, Imans, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to have you here. And um, as you said, uh, you have experience from highest levels of policymakings in 
Latvia, uh, but also in a broader kind of European context, which is exactly what I would like to talk to you about today, um, because clearly um, what's happening now in Ukraine is first and foremost a, a tragedy for the, the citizens of Ukraine. It's first and foremost about Ukraine. But as uh, we always have hear people say, this is also really a, a threat and a challenge uh, for the wider European security. And we've repeatedly made a case here that this is something that affects all of us. And there's always this question on, you know, what will the uh, broader repercussions be? What will the next steps be? And um, uh, Latvia, uh, together with the other Baltic states, is, is really interesting to me because you are really uh, at the center of that discussion, given your history. Um, and so that's uh, what I wanted to start talking uh, to you about today. Um, from a Baltic perspective and from a Latvian perspective, um, could you just give us, uh, you know, your view on, on how this affects uh, your country and the policymaking uh, in Riga at the moment? Yeah. Okay. That that's fine. I think we need to start off by not talking about the situation in Ukraine, but let's call it what it is. It's an ongoing uh, war by Russia against Ukraine, which started eight years ago, and even before the activities of. Uh, uh, the, the increased military uh, uh, assault on Ukraine last week, uh, there are already 14,000 people who've been killed in that war since 2008. So I'm sure, you know, in speaking to Ukrainians, they will remind you about the fact that they've actually been at war. A war has been carrying on in Europe uh, for the past eight years, but it's now obviously coming to a head. Um, now, uh, clearly, because of uh, the fact that we are in the region, uh, there is a lot of concern also in Latvia, in uh, Estonia and Lithuania about what has been happening these last few weeks. Uh, I suppose that uh, our uh, concerns already began uh, uh, after the uh, revolution, uh, the mini revolution that began in Belarus after the last uh, uh, falsified elections of Lukashenko where, uh, you know, suppression, there was the uprising of the people there, suppressions by Lukashenko, and uh, an increasing incorporation of Belarus into Russia. Uh, and so we've seen how this has affected the, the events of last week with the part of the uh, military uh, onslaught on Ukraine coming through Belarus, which essentially means, okay, they were supposed they were Russian uh, armed forces going through Belarus, but essentially it did seem that, uh, and it does seem that Belarus has increasingly lost its sovereignty and any, any real uh, control over uh, what happens on its territory. Uh, and so if on the one hand, uh, you know, we had these myths perpetuated by uh, Putin about uh, uh, NATO encroaching on the borders of Russia, uh, let's not forget that 6% of uh, the uh, Russian borderline is, uh, uh, is, is with a, a border with NATO. Uh, what we now see happening is, in fact, that uh, Russia is encroaching on the uh, border with NATO and the European Union. Firstly, with Belarus, where we've had these, uh, these hybrid war uh, actions by uh, Lukashenko over the last year with the use of uh, uh, illegal migrants as a hybrid war tool to try to uh, unsettle the internal situation in Poland, Lithuania, less so in Latvia, and uh, 
Uh, and obviously, if he were to succeed with uh, occupying and taking over Ukraine, that would also mean that there'd be more of a Russian border with uh, NATO and uh, uh, you know, there'd be the border uh, immediately with Poland, uh, Slovakia and Hungary. So uh, clearly, I think that uh, the fact that uh, in many ways we saw this coming, although, you know, for many it was difficult to predict whether there would be or there wouldn't be this uh, increased military assault uh, uh, by uh, Putin and Russia last week. Uh, uh, it has happened and it's right that... Uh, uh, NATO has reacted very quickly uh, to increase the uh, the reassurance uh, for Latvia and the Baltic countries, Poland, by increasing the number of troops, putting uh, the NATO uh, response force on high readiness, 8,500 American troops. We've had just uh, uh, an increase of uh, Apache uh, helicopters arriving US. We've had... Uh, the airborne division, one of the airborne divisions from the United States uh, coming into Latvia, probably from Italy, uh, four hours in four hours on four hours notice. Uh, and, you know, we've had uh, increased commitment to the enhanced forward presence, which is the uh, NATO partner presence in our three Baltic countries and Poland, which have been here for the past five years since uh, uh, 2017 and which was a direct result of uh, uh, Russia's uh, illegally annexing uh, uh, Crimea and uh, also uh, continuing with the military actions in the east of uh, Ukraine. So uh, clearly this is now obviously uh, uh, a fundamental change to the security situation in Europe. There's no doubt about that. And the responses have, always, has already, have already shown that. Uh, especially if we look at what happened yesterday uh, with this, the speech uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, Commissioner, uh, the President of the Commission, van der Leyen, uh, pledging funding and, uh, uh, and lethal weapons to Ukraine. This is now, uh, Ukraine is increasingly becoming a, a fundamental part of Europe's uh, security ar architecture, and it may be a wake-up call for more uh, more Europe in the security and defense realm, which is something, as you know, the French have been pleading for uh, for a number of years. I, I mean, it's not actually some the question of European sovereignty, uh, European strategic autonomy, sorry, uh, is not something particularly new, but uh, uh, obviously with uh, the uh, election of Pre President Macron uh, five years ago has increasingly been on the agenda for the past five years. and especially bearing in mind uh, France being uh, uh, holding the presidency of the European Union during this uh, six-month period. In many ways, what you're describing now is a pretty well-coordinated and, and, and pretty strong response to Russia's aggression. And, and that's something that I would, would like to ask you about. Uh, we've, we've had since the uh, illegal annexation of, of Crimea back in 2014, there have been responses, right? But I think it's fair to say that the sanctions imposed on Russia and on Russians have been relatively light, especially considering the full spectrum of, of, of potential ways to target the Russian economy. And I also think that the uh, military response has been relatively light. You mentioned the enhanced forward presence, which was, of course, a, a really important signal from NATO, 
but still in in military terms i i would say uh, i think a lot of people would agree that it's relatively uh, light uh, and now you've seen a number of new proposals a number of new responses and just before we started recording we we had a, a quick mention of the fact that sweden has now agreed for instance to send um uh arms to ukraine uh which is relatively unheard of mm. uh, in, in swedish politics i mean you talk to a lot of you know european leaders frequently about this uh from 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 west to east from north to south traditionally there has usually been a, a pretty big divergence between how different member states of the eu for instance uh think about russia and and what kind of responses that you want to see do you think and do you feel that there has been a, a change in perception over the last months and weeks in terms of the uh uh, the, the different European countries and how they think about uh, responding to, to, to what Russia is doing. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Well, I think there has been. I think there's been a fundamental shift uh, even these last few days. And... Uh, the key has been Germany, of course. Uh, mm. uh, you know, we've seen surprising uh, developments in Germany where we've had the chancellor uh, in his press conference with President Biden in Washington refusing to mention the the Nord Stream words. Right? You know, uh, he then went to Moscow, he went to Kiev, uh, but then we had uh, uh, the decision uh, by uh, Chancellor Scholz to... Uh, put a stop to uh, Nord Stream 2 uh, on a technical basis, as he announced. Uh, uh, we've had uh, also from Latvia, there has been a lot of criticism uh, about Germany's refusal to allow uh, Estonia to uh, send arms to Ukraine, which originated in, in Germany. Uh, but uh, today, what are we looking at? The fact that Germany has not only announced it's going to increase its uh, defense budget to 2% of G GDP, uh, which is incredible in itself that such a, a quick decision could be made, but also that they have agreed to send arms uh, also to, uh, uh, to Ukraine, therefore reversing their whole post-Second uh, uh, World War policy of not engaging uh, directly in military to support. Uh, so, I mean, I think these, uh, you know, these illustrate, uh, and, and of course, we, did, we have had various incidents of, uh, uh, of uh, perhaps not full unity by EU member states. You know, even last week we were talking about Germany, Hungary, uh, Italy, not agreeing to the 
imposition of the SWIFT, uh, you know, removing SWIFT uh, bank, uh, Russia from the SWIFT banking system, that's now been overcome, you know, so there's unanimity on that. Perhaps what is more devastating has been the measures taken against uh, uh, Russia's central bank, where even today, as we're talking Monday, the 28th of February, uh, this morning, there's been a 30 percent uh, uh, devaluation in the uh, 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 the value of the ruble. So, you know, you can see that really, uh, uh, although uh, it's clear that uh, uh, neither NATO or uh, the European Union is uh, is monolithic, but the the value uh, and the strength of both organizations is their unity. And even though it may take uh, uh, a little bit of time in reaching that unity. When it comes, it's so much stronger than individual nations acting on the, on their own. And I think that's the uh, that's really where we are today. Uh, it's a remarkable uh, situation in my mind, and uh, you know it does uh, help uh, reassure. And I think what was very encouraging also, uh, which is a manifestation of this unity, is the way in which there was uh, clear. Uh, consultation between uh, the United States and their European partners, both within NATO and with the European Union as an organization. It's almost ironic in a way, because <laughs> what this is really about is, is in some ways, uh, Putin is achieving exactly the opposite of what we can assume that he wants. We're now seeing uh, more unity, um, more coordination, and a very firm response from, uh, in principle, all European leaders. Uh, if we look at next steps, um, what do you think that the EU and, and NATO and its members could do more to de deter uh, further aggression by Russia? Well, I think that there, more, there needs to be more of the same in many ways. And we've reached a pinnacle in some ways, uh, uh, you know, attacking the oligarchs, uh, taking their money, freezing their assets, uh, uh, and uh, and the decision to send uh, uh, lethal weapons to uh, Ukraine to supply Ukraine with more uh, defensive uh, uh, um, uh, munitions, I think that's uh, very important. That should continue these very days. Uh, let's hope it's not too late. Uh, you know, this should be a matter of urgency. Uh, there should be uh, a holding. Uh, holding firm on the sanctions which have already been imposed and uh, uh, and uh, clearly uh, subject to the way things develop, uh, you know, keeping, uh, being alert about the need to uh, um, ensure that Article 5 uh, of the Washington Treaty can be enforced and the defence of member states that are particularly close to uh, uh, Russia and border Russia in the eastern flank. So I think, you know, I, I, I think that the response has come to a head. And uh, obviously, it's interesting to see whether um, Ukraine as a uh, partner of the Eastern Partnership will uh, be encouraged more to integrate into the European Union and whether they will be welcomed more because they have been fighting Europe's war, essentially. You know, they've been on the front line of, of holding out for democratic values. And I think this needs to be acknowledged and uh, they need to be uh, helped in their path to uh, stabilize democracy 
and stabilize their European values. And I think this is very important. And of course, you know, there is a theory that one of the biggest threats that Putin feels is, is Ukraine becoming a democratic country. Because as we've seen, Putin does not like uh, democracy and these colored revolutions that took place. And for, for him, for more democracy to go into Russia is a threat to his uh, reign, as it were, as, as, a, as an emperor, as a king, as a president of Russia. Uh, and so it may be that this whole thing backfires on him. You know, whether there will be a palace coup, I think that's been something that's been talked about also in the public media these last uh, couple of days in Latvia. Uh, and so I think he may well have taken off more that he can chew. And let's hope that uh, this is also in the long run uh, positive for uh, the Russian uh, population and, and Russians themselves, let alone uh, obviously uh, the Ukrainians where uh, regrettably they continue to, uh, as we speak, probably suffer and, and there is a loss of life both on the Russian and the Ukrainian side. So clearly there's a need to keep up the pressure, uh, if you will, uh, on Russia and to further strengthen um, the uh, deterrence against Russia. I'd like to ask you about uh, the role of, of diplomacy and the role of communications between um, the EU, NATO and Russia. Um, you hear sometimes now that, you know, we're, we're beyond the role of diplomacy. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, you... <laughs> As a, as a diplomat, uh, how, how, how do you think in terms of the balance between responding with very firm pressure and still keeping communication channels open? Well, I think this uh, carrot and stick uh, uh, policy is the right one, you know, that uh, we shouldn't give up on diplomacy. Uh, you know, there have been voices uh, uh, that have uh, uh, said that, yeah, this is appeasement with Macron, Schultz going to uh, uh, Moscow to speak with Putin. But there, uh, there has, uh, you know, is is Schultz, are Schultz and the Macron the new uh, 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 Ribbentrops to Russia's Molotov? You know, is there going to be a deal done over the heads of uh, uh, the Ukrainians? Uh, and this hasn't taken place. I think it's important that uh, channels of communication are left open. Uh, you know, this uh, uh, even in times of crisis. Uh, that there's perhaps channels between uh, Russian military and US NATO military leaders. Uh, um, and uh, so uh, even today, you know, we're seeing that uh, President Zelensky has agreed to uh, meet uh, on some level, you know, there's a meeting between uh, Russian uh, and uh, Ukrainian officials uh, uh, on the uh, Belarus-Ukrainian border uh, in an attempt to try to bring in a ceasefire and uh, a halt to what's happening. So you see that, uh, I mean, to my mind, these these are very important uh, 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 um, events that need to be uh, nurtured when the time is right. There's obviously a time when there needs to be a, a stop uh, to uh, talking, which we saw last week after... Uh, you know, the massive uh, uh, assault on, on Ukraine, you know, there was a pause, but uh, uh, the messages were loud and clear from the heads of state criticizing what has happened. Uh, but, uh, you know, we see that there were, there was diplomacy taking place in the United Nations, there were consultations amongst NATO member countries, uh, 
under Article 4 of the Washington Treaty. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, let's hope that uh, if there's a pullback by Russia, uh, that, uh, you know, we can return to diplomacy. But, but it does seem that the Minsk, Minsk process uh, uh, and the engagement of the Normandy Four has, has now really come to a halt, uh, uh, given what has, what has happened this last week or so. Well, thank you. Um, as a final question, I guess, clearly uh, what we need to think about now is, you know, how can we support Ukraine? How can we deter further aggression by Russia? Um, but if we try to think a bit more in the long term um, and coming back to the point that you originally made, that, that this war is really an affront on all of uh, Europe's uh, security, and um, our ability to to you know live in 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 peace. Uh, it's an affront on our our, our democratic uh, values. If we think long term about the need to further strengthen the security architecture or the security landscape, if you will, in the, in, in this arena, what are some steps that you think uh, that we should be paying particular attention to? Well, I think that uh, you know we need to build on the unity of uh, NATO and uh, continue uh, you know, the pressure on all countries to uh, increase their defense budgets, uh, as Germany has done. I think that's a crucial uh, turn. I think, uh, uh, obviously, the European Union will want to uh, consider its uh, strategic uh, policies and whether it should you know, continue to uh, move ahead on the, the, the positive wave that has taken place these last couple of days to show that it, it is a... a um, a strategic actor uh, with whom uh, one can calculate and with whom one should uh, uh, reckon reckon with as a force to be reckoned with. And uh, uh, but um, I think the future is dictated by events. You know, we need to see what's going to happen in the uh, the power. Uh, perhaps there may be a power struggle in in Moscow, and uh, and to react accordingly and. Uh, if there's a pullback, if uh, Russia, uh, you know, stops its occupation of the Crimea, uh, acknowledges the, the the right of uh, uh, neighbours to choose their own destiny under the Helsinki Final Act of 1975, rather than uh, trying to uh, move ahead uh, according to the Yalta and spheres of influence uh, approach, then uh, I think there, you know, uh, we have to wait and see how, how things develop and react accordingly. But I think the message, uh, the message of unity and strength and speed has has probably taken uh, Putin by surprise. And I also think, Imans, that that's an incredibly important message to end with. So thank you so much uh, for, for joining us and, and for your uh, uh, very informed uh, uh, inside perspectives on, on what's unfolding at the moment. Okay, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much, Axel. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.